If you are turning with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be starting in Habakkuk. I know y'all probably already all got that memorized. Y'all know right where to turn because that's a, such a popular uh, book of the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2 is where we're going to be starting. Um, so today I'm going to talk to you about one of the minor prophets. They're known as... The minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets. So you got like your major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel that wrote the big books. They're like the more famous ones. Well, Habakkuk was one of the minor prophets. Like he's not so famous. Nike didn't make a shoe for him. Nothing. Like he, he didn't get on any commercials. He's... He's one of the little guys. That's who we're going to be talking about today. So it may be someone that you don't know. Somebody maybe you hadn't heard of Habakkuk. It's kind of weird because I was back and forth on whether I kind of got two messages, two parts. And, uh, and I mentioned Habakkuk this morning. And Rebecca said, well, that's weird because you don't hear him mentioned much. And I just read a whole book about him. And I was thinking about giving you the book. Man, I might, maybe I should wait to preach this until I read the book. Maybe there's something good in there that I didn't get. But we're going to talk a little bit about him. But I was thinking about like someone that you don't know. There could be a famous person, but if you don't know him, see, like if I go to the Bremen Walmart and I love the Falcons. If I walk in Bremen Walmart and I'm just going in there to get a gallon of milk and I look down one of the aisles and there's Julio Jones, man, I'm going down there to try to talk to him. I'm going to give him some advice because there are a few things he needs to know. What, a couple of things we really need to talk about. And I'm going to try to get Dan Quinn's phone number from him where I could send him some texts. But I'm going to benefit from seeing him. Hey, let me get a picture of you. Hey, how about signing this? Do something. Hey, I'm going to go and talk to him. I don't know that, like my mom, would you recognize Julio Jones if you saw him? I didn't think so. If mom walked in Walmart and walked right past Julio, he could probably walk right beside her and she wouldn't recognize that that was him. She'd probably just keep on going on about her business. I can walk beside my mom in Walmart and she doesn't even recognize me. She just goes on about, come to think of it, actually, she was a bad person to pig. I pass her on the road every day and wave at her and she does this. So never mind, maybe, maybe she was a bad one because yeah, she could walk right past her own son in Walmart and not, hey mom, she's on a mission. But she could walk right past Julio, this famous person, person that some people would freak out to get to meet or just even to tell their buddies, hey, I saw him, in, oh, I saw him up there in Walmart. Mom would walk right past him and not even notice, not even see him. Because Why? Because she doesn't know what he looks like. You know if you don't know what God looks like, that he could be right there. That somebody could come across your path in the day and, and speak God or even just, he could reveal himself to you. 
and you could just miss it because you don't know what he looks like or you're not even looking for him. I was thinking about um, there's just some hard things in life sometimes. We all go through hard things. We talked about breakthrough last night at the youth conference and and there's so many different areas of life that we run into that are just hard or that we need a breakthrough or or we get wounded or we get hurt. And be nice if you could just tap out. Right? If you could just uh, get somebody else to step in when things get hard, like a pinch runner in baseball. Kind of crazy that you can... They can do that. They somebody gets on first base and then they call for somebody else to come run for them. Happens a lot out here in church softball. <laughs> a lot in church softball. The old men that can still get on base but they can't run the bases. I'm almost there. I'm got a lot slower at running bases. I'll admit it. Like when when Titus was 12 years old. He was playing baseball in Tallapoosa, and he was super fast and loved running bases. In fact, kind of risky. He'd run, loved stealing bases. Well, his coach found that out, and old Titus may not have been the best hitter, but they used him to run for everybody. They'd put him on the base, some, and we had several big boys on the team that were pretty good hitters, much better hitters than Titus. But they would hit the ball, get on first base, and they'd be like, whoop, sent Titus out there to run for him. He'd steal second, steal third, running. He had this, the record of the most stolen bases. And the funny thing was, was that like his first year playing baseball? Or? I think that was his first year. So it wasn't nothing bad, but it was his first year. So he wasn't like this great baseball player in the field. He wasn't great at hitting the ball, like, but he could run. So much so that the coach was going to take him to the, on the all-star team just to run. And he talked to us about it as his parents and said, Hey, look, don't get upset. But if we ask him to be on the all-star team, he ain't playing in the field. He's probably never even going to bat. We're bringing him to run for other people. Now I was remembering that because I was just thinking about pinch runner and stuff and I was thinking about well well that sure would be nice in life when when things get hard I got the hit and got the first now you come on in and do that do the rest for me hey I got hired at the job now you come and work it for 40 years right hey I got her to say yes now you come in and do the hard work and make it a good marriage Hey, I got sober. You stay clean for the next rest of your life. Can't tap out. Hey, it's time to have the birds and the bees talk with your kids. <laughs> runner! <laughs> Can I get a runner? <laughs> we don't get to do that in life. Right? You can't just tap out when things get hard. 
And the older I get, the more I realize that that's okay. It's actually the hard things that have grown me. It's actually the hard things that made me stronger. It's the hard things that taught me, that grew me up. If I never had to go through anything hard, I'd still be a little boy in a man's body. And I'm sorry if I just described some of you. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) Straightforward. (laughs) I'm looking in the tunnel. Oh, somebody's out there. No. But that's what grows us up. That's what brings maturity is we go through things and we heal. We talked about scars and scabs and we can look back on wounds, but they don't affect us anymore if they're healed. We can look back and tell a story, even about great pain, but as long as there's been healing, we can point out how God used it and how we grew. See, when I was younger, I used to pray that God would take away the giant. God, get rid of Goliath. God, take away the giant. God, take away the thing that I'm struggling with. I don't pray that way anymore. Because God won't take away the giant. Don't pray, God, take away this mountain that's in front of me. No, now I pray, God, give me strength to climb. God, teach me how to slay this one. And, and I have found that God will take away some things. But there are some giants that he won't take away. Because you need to learn how to slay it. You need the strength and the maturity that you're going to learn through winning this battle. Paul prayed, God, take away this thorn. I got a thorn in my flesh. And and Paul prayed three times, God, take it away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. But see, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. See, if you were strong enough and if I took away every obstacle and every pain and every giant and every mountain, then you would never be strong and my strength would never be needed. You'd never have to have faith or trust or courage. You would never be what I've created you to be if I took away everything hard. Paul said, okay. And he went to work. Since we're on Titus' kick today, since he's in kid space, I'll just talk about him today. Leave the other two kids alone. I got Sky last night, so I'll talk about Titus today. When Titus was a little kid, he was playing on a football team. And any of y'all that know him, he's still pretty skinny. But he's always been skinny. He was a skinny little kid. And I don't remember how old he was. He was pretty young, and he was playing football. And they put the little skinny kid on the defensive line and told him to get the quarterback. Anybody that knows anything about football knows that the offensive line that Titus would be supposed to go against was generally going to be the biggest boys on your team. Titus was going against these big boys and getting slammed and pancaked. Go against them. Slammed on the ground. Go against him. Pancake. And I'm trying to give him advice. 
you know, from the sideline. It's your little kid, and he's young, and he's just getting destroyed. And I think I got a lot of knowledge about it because I tried out for the Mustangs semi-pro, and I played defensive end, so I'm trying to tell him about some swim moves or different things like that that he can do to get past these big giant linemen, and it ain't doing no good. They get their hooks in. Titus is swim moving while they pick him up in the air. Titus is still swim moving when he gets pancaked. Didn't work, Dad. (laughs) So somewhere close to half, I don't remember if it was halftime or somewhere around the middle of the game after poor Titus is just getting beat up. And you see the coach go over and specifically say something to Titus. Next play, down, set, hut. Titus is in the backfield. Grabs the quarterback. Now, I don't remember exactly. I think somebody else got back there, but he assisted in a tackle. I said, hey, okay. All right, he got back there. Next play. Titus is in the backfield, chasing the running back, jumps on him from behind. I'm like, yeah. This kept happening over and over. So I'm really curious. First time I get to talk to Titus, he comes over. I'm, hey, hey, man, what did the coach say to you? I want to know. And everything I was saying didn't help. He said he told me to stop looking at them dudes in front of me. Just look through the gap. At that quarterback or where I wanted to go. And as soon as the ball snapped, beat them to it. I'm faster than them big boys. Don't let them grab on. Don't let them get a stronghold. Focus on the prize. Stop focusing on the giant. Stop focusing on the thing that was in front of me. And if you keep focusing on your problem, focusing on your obstacle, focusing on your opponent, it could make it very hard to get to the prize. Sometimes we just got to focus on something different. Focus on the goal. If you don't let the giant get a stronghold in your life, then you can look past him to Jesus. See, as long as Titus didn't let those dudes get a good grip on him and hold on to him, we've all got giants. Right, And sometimes you may have to focus on that giant. You, might, you may have to go get some professional help. You may have to go, because if you've let him sink in his claws and get a stronghold on you. Man, but if you can just focus on Jesus and don't let that thing get a stronghold on you, just beat it. Beat it every time. Outrun it. Get past it. Don't let it get a stronghold on your life. You look past them to Jesus. Look to the author and the finisher of our faith, Scripture says. Focus on where you want to go. Set your hope in the future. You know, hope is always tied to the future. Set your hope in the future. Put your head down and run. Just get in your lane and run. So, 
trying to remember what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Somebody you might not know, Habakkuk. So the major prophets, they're all the famous ones. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, not so famous. The way I remember his name is, it sounds like a chicken. Habakkuk. 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 All right, so what you need to know about this is the first chapter, the first whole chapter of Habakkuk is pretty much him crying. He's like whining and complaining, and he's asking God, why, God, why are you letting all this happen to your people? So it's, it's him crying and complaining. Um, it was written about 220 B.C. No, excuse me, 620 B.C. And the whole first chapter is him just saying, like, why isn't God fair? It's not fair, God. Why are we going through these hard times? Why is this stuff happening to your people? Chapter 2. And the Lord answered me. And he said, write the vision and make it plain. It's really hard to focus if you don't have a vision or something to focus on. You don't know where you're headed. It's hard to focus. He said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Saying sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes your timing is not the same as God's. Sometimes you get a vision, I mean, seems like to me it's all the time. God gives you a vision and you're ready for it now. Okay, God, do it. But our timing's not God's timing. And I have found that most of the time when we get a vision or a plan or God drops something in our hearts and minds like that or we see something, we're not ready for it. The reason we get that vision or that hope is so now we can spend the next however long being prepared and growing up and moving towards what we need to be to handle that. Otherwise, we would destroy it. So God says, Terry, wait for it. Because I will surely come. It will not tarry. Don't worry. Wait. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. Now, we know from looking at history that the Babylonians were going to kill everybody. They, they were going to kill most of the Jewish people. And it was just horrible. The things that they did to them and tortured them and just... They ran and hid and ran up in the mountains and lived in caves. Like, it was some really bad stuff that was happening and was going to happen to them. And he says, the just shall live, or that word lives, survive by faith. Trust, a belief. God was going to use a wicked group of people to get his people back where they needed to be. The Babylonians. 
You know that gravity has a call on your life. Gravity has a call on your life. A purpose. A call. Some would call it a law. And it says, stay on the ground. It's the call that gravity has on your life. Stay on the ground. Now, if you jump off of a cliff, you're not breaking the law of gravity. You're proving it. I don't care how good I get at jumping. Is that pretty impressive? <laughs> Probably got a good six inches there. Or not. <laughs> No matter how good I get at jumping, you could bring the highest jumper in the world in here, but he's still going to come back down. Jumping off a cliff, you're not breaking the law of gravity, you're proving it. So when you go against God, when you go against His laws, when you go against His purposes, when you go against His call that He has on your life, See, it may look like you're breaking it for a minute. When you're flying off that cliff, man, you can flip and spin, and it looks like you're breaking the law of gravity, but eventually, pow. Nope. So when you go against God's plan for your life, when you, when you run from God's purpose, ask Jonah, it may look like you're breaking God's laws for a while, but eventually, just like gravity, you're actually proving. You're actually proving it. No matter how good you get at jumping, gravity still wins. So if you flip in my Bible just to the next page, to three, chapter three. Habakkuk's only got three chapters. So we talked about the first one was crying and asking God why pretty much the whole chapter and then that second one we just read a little bit of that God's saying wait I'm going to come through trust me have faith wait the third one you've probably heard this before I'll just read you verse 18 and 19 that's the two last verses in the third one the last verses of this book yet I will rejoice in the Lord rejoice that word rejoice is or to like rejoice or to have joy again Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He's saying, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to remember my God. I'll remember the God that saved me. I will choose to have joy even if my circumstances aren't making me happy right now. I don't understand. I don't know why. And I don't like God's timing. We saw in chapter 2. I think you should have came before now, God. I think we would have repented and turned out, but I don't like God's timing. I don't really know why. Yet, yet, I will rejoice. It's a decision. I will rejoice. I will have joy. See, immaturity you got to have a yet praise. 
And there's going to be a lot of times where you don't understand or a lot of times where you don't get God's timing or, or there's going to be times where you're upset about what's going on, but yet you remind yourself, yet yeah, I will praise. Yet yeah, I will rejoice. Yet yeah, I will trust you. Remember when uh, that story where Jesus was just calling Peter to be his disciple and he came and and Jesus said, hey, let me use your boat. Jesus gets on his boat and he preaches to the people on the shore. And then Jesus said, launch out into the deep and cast down your nets. And Peter's like, like I'm a professional fisher. You're a carpenter. I, I mean, if I was Peter, I'd have been like, hey, carpenter, why don't you build me a chair and I'll tell you how to fish. I'm not casting out into the deep. It was a known fact that on the Sea of Galilee, if you wanted to catch fish, you fished at night in the shallows. Now here's Jesus in the middle of the day telling him to go out in the deep and cast out his nets. Didn't make sense. You know what Peter's response was to Jesus? We fished all night and we caught nothing, but nevertheless, at thy word, if you say so. It don't make sense to me. I don't understand it. It's not what I was taught. It's not what was modeled to me. It doesn't really fit in my box. But Jesus, if you said so, I'll do it. I believe. I Okay. If you say so. I need to go to counseling? Well, that don't make sense. I don't. But if you say so, I'll do it. Wait. 90% of my money will go further than 100% if I give the first 10% to God. That makes no sense. But if you say so, okay. I'll try it. Nevertheless, I don't understand. Yet, I will choose joy. I will choose to trust the God of my salvation, Habakkuk said. What an attitude. Habakkuk, the name, it means to wrestle or embrace. It's funny because it sounds like at the first part of this book, he was really wrestling. And by the end, he's embracing. He's remembering to trust and have joy and embrace the plan that God has on his life. So chapter one is why. Chapter two is wait. Chapter 3 is faith and joy. Don't get stuck on one or two. Man, it's easy. You can get stuck on one of asking why. Why did this happen to me? Why is this so bad? Why is this giant so big? Why did he do this? Why did she do that? Why? You can get stuck there. Or you can get stuck on two. In the waiting and the I don't understand and God, has this not been enough? And because shouldn't you have rescued us by now? Start trying to play God and we get stuck on two. But you can't really have three without going through one and two. Back to what I talked about to start with. Like God won't just take away the giant. 
When David killed Goliath, that's what made him famous and brought him into the king's house and made him a general in the army. And that's, that's how God boosted him into his purpose. God just took away the giant. Then David would have delivered the cheese pizzas to his brothers and went back home and kept keeping sheep. Well, David was a pizza delivery boy. He had two jobs. Watching his dad's sheep and delivering, well, it says bread and cheese in the Bible. It's pretty much cheese pizzas. And he was just the delivery boy. But you have to go through the wine. You have to go through the waiting. You have to mature and grow to have faith. And to have a real joy that's tested and proven. Get Philippians 4.4. Look what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. It doesn't say sometimes. It says rejoice in the Lord when everything's good. Rejoice in the Lord when you make the team. Rejoice in the Lord. No, it says always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul felt the need to repeat himself there in the same verse. Rejoice always. And in case you didn't get it, rejoice. Again, I'm going to say it. Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. Thank you, Jesus. Saying, eat barbecue and drink sweet tea. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Y'all don't be sorry. <laughs> no. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the joy of the Lord is your strength, and we know from Scripture that in His presence there is fullness of joy. So spending time in His presence, there's joy there. And you have access into His presence daily. We entered into His presence earlier in the worship service. That's where you can find joy. And joy equals strength. Remember when um, Jesus was going to be born and the angels came and said, Behold, we bring you tidings of great joy. A lack of joy can be traced back to four things. Unthankful, unloving, unholy, and unforgiving. Those four things will steal your joy. They'll take your strength. Unholy, you know what that means. You're not living pure. You're doing things that are going against your your beliefs, you're, you're going against what you know is right for you and what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. You're, it'll steal your joy. It'll, it'll rob your joy. If you're unthankful, 
If you're not grateful or thankful, you don't have a spirit of gratitude, it'll steal your joy quickly. If you're unloving, God is love. So if you haven't figured out how to love and you're not letting love flow through you, you're an unloving person, then that'll steal your joy. And unforgiving. You've got to figure out how to forgive. If you want to have the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord in your life, that'll steal your joy. Unforgiving. These four... Really, when you think about these four things, they can all be summed up in this. Being offended. I mean, a lot of people get offended. I'm going to get offended about this or that. Or she did this or he said that. Or what they put on Facebook. or We get offended. But being offended is a choice. I choose to get offended. A lot of times it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's not a misunderstanding. Sometimes they're just a jerk. But that doesn't mean I have to get offended about it. That doesn't mean I have to allow somebody else to take my joy. To take my strength. To cause me to be unforgiving. Or forget what I'm thankful for. Unthankful. To be unloving. To withhold Love, Because God never withheld his love from me. But I put myself in God's place and become the judge. So I think I withhold forgiveness or I withhold love until you've earned it or deserve it. That doesn't look like a Christian. That's not what we're supposed to look like. If you're offended, you don't have joy. Offense steals your joy. Joy equals strength. So to be offended is to be weak. To be offended is to be immature. Like you need to grow up. If you're always offended all the time, you grow up. Strength is eating spiritual food and spending time in His presence. Having joy in all things. You're building your future with the decisions that you are making today. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. Every day with your words and your actions, you're you're choosing to sow seeds in your life and then you eat the fruit of the trees that you have planted so I invite you to pray this prayer that that I've been praying and it is God is there anything in my life That could cause someone else to stumble. Whether it's a sin or not. It could be a sin or it could be something that's not a sin for me. But there are things that I don't do that I don't think would be a sin for me personally. But 
I don't do them because I know it would offend one of you or or someone else. So it could be a sin or it could not. Paul said, all things are permissible, but all things are not profitable. Because of grace and mercy, everything's okay and I'll be forgiven whatever I choose to do, but all things aren't good for me to do. All things aren't profitable. So, God, is there anything in my life that could, that could cause someone to stumble? Is there anything in my life that could cause me to lose my wife? Because I see a lot of people that, because of things that they allowed to stay in their life, sin or not, they lost the most important things. Is there anything in my life that could cause me to lose relationship with my kids? Is there anything in my life that could cause me to lose my position in your kingdom? Is there anything that I'm choosing in my life that could cause me to not get to pastor this church? That God, is there anything in my life That could cause me to lose my faith. To stop believing. God, is there anything that I'm choosing that could cause me to lose my hope? Because if there is, I don't want it. It's not worth it. What's worth my faith and my hope? Is it a sin for me to listen to music that doesn't honor God? No. But it's a seed. Is it a sin for me to be alone with a woman that I'm not married to? No, but it's a seed of stupidity. Right? Is it a sin for me to drink a beer? No. But it could be a seed. Especially if I have a problem in that area. Yet I will praise. I was going to take you to 1 Samuel and show you some pretty cool stuff, but it's kind of like opening up a whole other part of the message. So I'm going to save that for next week because I feel like God's, God's given us what we needed today. So we may, we may talk about that stuff next week or, or we may not, but even if we don't understand, yet, I will praise you. We choose joy. We choose not to be offended. We choose to shine the light and to have strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray. God, help us to focus. God, help us as we're just getting into 2020. Help us not lose the fight that we've lost in the past. Give us courage and strength to slay the giants. God, my prayer is that you would send bigger giants than we've ever seen before. And give us the courage to face them. 
And we'll pick up the stones that we need. We want to be warriors. We want to advance your kingdom. So God, breathe your breath of life. God, thank you for grace and mercy and that you pick us up every time we fall. And that you're not the God of the second chances. You're the God of the new beginning. So God, do a new thing in us as individuals and as a body. Help us to find our place and stand in it so that we can be powerful and effective. God, we love you. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.